Siblings, welcome to Penn Sunday School, starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Penn, Matt, Randy Rich, and I are broadcasting from our separate homes here in Las Vegas. On today's show, we'll continue our talk about Bob Saget. Godot has some circus dreams. Matt has a dystopian vegan meal. And we reassess a foolish magician spot. Here he is preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette. Okay, here I am uh, preaching love, and I want to say, continuing last show, uh, that my children read the New York Times, well, at least one of them, read the New York Times uh, article and uh, understood it, really deeply understood it. That's great. So, if you're wondering how to get through to your children. Yeah, I've been, I've been turning in articles. <laughs> I was to say, you should have the New York Times editor mediate all your dinnertime conversations. Really? Well, you know, that's a great thing. Uh, <laughs> there is an interview, and someone will fact check me on this, and they'll break my heart. <laughs> but when I was in uh, high school, probably 71, 72, there was an interview, I think, in Rolling Stone with Randy Newman. And Randy Newman told two stories that I found life-changing. And we're now going to find out that I made up two stories about <laughs> Randy Newman yeah. that, uh, that were life-changing. <laughs> I heard Gary Owens told them to you. Yeah. Uh, one story was he was teaching a songwriting class in New York, and he, he said that he, he liked to write songs from another person's point of view, mm-hmm. and that he wanted to get completely into their point of view and put himself completely aside. And then he said, so what if we're writing a song from Hitler's point of view? And somebody, someone in the class went, I'm offended by you saying that Hitler... No, then he said, Hitler... Uh, Hitler doesn't see himself as a bad person. And a person, sa- person in the class said, I think Hitler clearly was a bad person. And Randy said, Hitler actually killed some of my relatives, but that's not what we're talking about now. That doesn't matter. And someone <laughs> said, I think it does matter. And Randy said, no, I- we're trying to get into that point of view. It doesn't matter what happened. And someone said, it does matter what happened. And Randy said, there are only two things I believe. One, I'm not crazy. Two, there's no God. Class dismissed. <laughs> That's where I remember it 60 years later. Is that right? <laughs> no, 50 years later. That's where I remember it 50 years later. Probably didn't happen. But that story means everything to me. The idea of being able to discuss things that are really offensive without condoning them. And the other story in there, which is more, which is also apropos to this conversation is that um, while he's being interviewed by Rolling, I think it's Rolling Stone, while he's being interviewed by them, he says to his young child, go to bed. And the child says, no. He says, it's time for you to go to bed, go to bed. And the child says, no. And he says, go over there and bring me that folder. And the child brings him the folder, he opens it up, and there's an article from the New York Times. Oh, the child says, why should I go to bed? Why should I go to bed? (laughs) And he said, give me the article of the New York Times. He opens it up and says to his child, here is the New York Times saying that me, your father, Randy Newman, is a genius. And the <laughs> genius is telling you to go to bed. 
And the child says, no. And Randy says, see, reviews don't mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you also have the problem with number one, though? Number one, I'm not crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think people who are crazy still have that same number one, right? Yeah, well, that's that great, (laughs) the the article, the uh, book on being wrong. I forget who wrote it. She's a wonderful author. But being wrong, she said that thing that when I say it to people, it just blows their mind. And that is, what does it feel like to be wrong? What does it feel like to be wrong? Exactly the same as it feels to be right. Yeah. And that's the horrible thing. Yeah. So someone will tell me that those two stories, neither of them were in that article. I just made them up. And when you figure it out, shove it. (laughs) Do not send it in. (laughs) But those are the way, and I have not checked on those two stories since it came out. Right. So we can see how much drift there is. (laughs) Yeah. It can't be that hard to find an interview with Randy Newman while I was in high school. (laughs) We haven't mentioned in a while that the mail address is questionpen at gmail.com. Questionpen at gmail.com. Not punish pen. <laughs> While we're talking about the aristocrats, someone wrote in about uh, the friar's roast with Gilbert Gottfried deciding to do the aristocrats joke. And they want to see the full footage of Gilbert telling that joke and the reaction. And uh, David Copperfield gave me a call a couple of years ago and said, listen, man, I want to see the whole Friars Club roast footage of Gilbert telling that joke because in the aristocrats, it's such an amazing story. And I said to David Copperfield, uh, it's a magic trick. It didn't happen that way. We had a person that were there talking about their reaction. We had a journalist talking about the reaction. We had Jeff Ross talking about the reaction. But we didn't have footage of the audience reacting that way because that's not really what happened. It is really what happened, but it's condensed and fucked around with. Also, the folklore has become, and Prevenza and I were part of this, maybe Prevenza and I were all of it. The folklore has become that Gilbert told the aristocrats joke at the friar's roast of Hugh Hefner right after 9-11. He told the joke about 9-11, which was, (laughs) I was trying to get a flight to Los Angeles, but I couldn't find any flights that didn't stop at the Twin Towers. Okay, Gilbert, that was the joke he did within a week of 9-11. Maybe it was two weeks. I couldn't find a plane that didn't stop at the World Trade Center. An amazingly tasteless joke. Empire State Building. He said Empire State Building? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. And then he um, went into the aristocrats joke. Well, the truth of the matter is I've been talking to Gilbert about the aristocrats joke for a few weeks, maybe a few months. The truth is we had recorded Gilbert telling the aristocrats joke before that. And I said to Gilbert, before the Hugh Hefner roast, maybe you want to tell the aristocrats joke if you get in trouble with a 9-11 joke. So all the stuff about Gilbert having those thoughts on stage were true. 
Except I told him to have those thoughts ahead of time. (laughs) (laughs) You've been pre-programmed. Yeah. Uh, So the person that asked about that, the image of the Hugh Hefner roast, the way you have it in your head, never existed. There's no recording of that. So you told Gilbert to do that? Talked about the possibility of that, yes. What did you tell Hitler? <laughs> so uh, that's that. That's where we are on that. You know, the uh, I've always had trouble with that when um, Kennison would go on Stern and do his misogynist rants. I got to tell you, I was on the other side because I did not trust Sam to not have that misogyny somewhere in his heart. I just didn't. Right. I mean, Bob Saget's heart is pure. I'm not sure about Kennison's. I'm not saying it wasn't, but you know, some of the vitriol that Kennison had toward women, and particular women, might have been real. And that troubled me. Yeah. And Andrew Dice Clay, I did not think was a skilled comedian, and I also did not trust him. Right. Even when he went on TV and cried about it, I did not completely trust him. You know, it's I was talking to my son about drugs, and... I said, you know, we're in the odd position because, I mean, he'd already said this to me. I wasn't telling him what to think, that we want everything legal but don't want to do it. And that's a position that's very hard for people to understand. You know, it's my favorite comeback to a heckler that I've done. My my favorite personal comeback to a heckler, which when someone yells out something to me, I say, I do not agree with what you said, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is a really funny thing, I think, to say to a heckler. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> they don't have a backup for that. They don't have one of the chamber <laughs> for that. Yeah, you suck dick. <laughs> You're still gay. <laughs> I I say I agree with you. I'm just two years behind you. I know you said that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, it's a very personal thing to decide if you trust the person speaking or not. My beef is with it being taken out of context, and then me being asked to judge this. Yeah. And I also think the problem is that the context is huge. The context on Howard Stern is not that 15 minutes. It's not that half hour. It's not that show. Yeah. It might be 10 years. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about Stern now, because Stern isn't controversial now, but I mean, yeah, yeah, 20 yeah. years ago. His shock jock days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. And, and, and also, like um, you not liking something... As I've joked openly at comedy clubs, you know, silence is punishment enough. <laughs> you know, definitely say you don't like it. Nah, not for me. That's probably one of the cruelest things you could do to a person who's <laughs> trying to put themselves out there. Well, I remember, uh, I remember the story about Robert Frost that because it's on Sunday school is probably not true. <laughs> but Robert Frost had a friend who was a poet. And the poet asked him to come to a reading to uh, judge his poetry. And Robert Frost sat in the front row of his friend's reading and fell asleep. And afterwards, his friend said to him, I asked you to come to this because I really wanted your opinion. And you just slept through the whole show, the whole reading. (laughs) And Robert Frost said, sleep is an opinion. (laughs) Uh, So I will say now, bragging, that Di Vernon, 
the really the inventor of modern close-up magic. Yeah. And the 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 mentor most important venerated figure in magic at the magic castle came to see Penn and Teller and stayed awake. <laughs> and many people said it was one of the only shows they'd ever seen him do that. <laughs> so Dave Vernon gave us an opinion and that was I'm awake. <laughs> so talk to me about your vegan nightmare there, Matt Donnelly. So the wife and I are trying to, trying to find a new spot and we decided we're going to order food to go on our, on our day off. You know, it's very popular. We live in, we live in Las Vegas, right? It's, if a, if a restaurant hits somewhere else, there's often a Vegas version that opens up here. Mm-hmm. And so in Oakland, there's a place called Solely Vegan, which is a Creole, Cajun, mm-hmm. vegan place that, that blew up, right? And so we decide if we can order there. And we order there. We're immediately highly encouraged to use DoorDash or Uber Eats or whatever. We put in our address. We were out of the delivery zone. So where is it? Downtown. It's a, it's a weeknight. I'll just go pick it up. So we order. And we're on the, and Sarah's, uh, my wife's showing me all the, their Instagram page with all these beautiful creations being made and all these kind of awesome construction of vegan food items they have and people enjoying it or whatever. And I was like, yeah, this all looks fantastic. So we order an array of items because we want to kind of get a sample of what this place has to offer. Order it. And I go to pick it up. And I'm following the, the my navigation. It is bringing me to a very not uh, restauranty area of Las Vegas. <laughs> I'm in the bowels of the city behind Circus Circus, and I am like, what What am yeah. I doing? Where you Where you haven't ever been before with your wife? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what strip clubs around here at all. Oh boy, I've never heard of the wow, these are like five dollar lap dances in a back room alone. I never heard of that. Just librarians? <laughs> so and so yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in I'm in that, that area of town. And I, I follow the navigation down this side street where I'm like, I can't this can't be this has to be wrong. I'm turning down this like dead end industrial area. And there's like a little sign for mobile pickups and then I see this like almost like cardboard sign, just quickly handmade sign that says like food food pickup parking only. And I pull in to this like warehouse area and I walk in and I walk into a room that's no larger than like a child's bedroom, completely with like uh, doors and lockers and one little like glass area. And there's a guy who looks like he's working security at this monitor that's not even facing towards me, but to the window, but facing somewhere else. And I was like, I'm, I think I'm in the wrong place. I'm looking for, uh, he goes, you picking up food? I said, yeah. He goes, which restaurant? And I was like, solely vegan. And he goes, call that number. And I look and there's a number, there's four printed out pages on the wall. And I call the number and I said, I'm here to pick up for Matt. And they said, oh, okay, we'll be right out with your food. And so this place is just an industrial kitchen for four restaurants. And they just come out of this thing. And they just open this door and shove, hand me my bag and close <laughs> Garage it. Garage door back. opens up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, it, it was as if I was getting someone out of like prison in like a RoboCop movie. And I was handed my food. That's the whole thing. You know, there's this Mr. Beast. Yeah. Is it Mr. Beast is this character on TikTok and YouTube and stuff. Yeah. And he all opened a chain of burger restaurants. Yeah. And they don't exist. Yeah. We ordered food from there. They don't exist. And they, it's even weirder than that. They'll do it out of other people's kitchens. Right. And not just industrial stuff, but actually out of other people's kitchens. Like 
you're getting like Mr. Beast wild super bacon cheeseburger and it's coming out of like, you know, Cheesecake Factory, the back door of it. Yeah. It was crazy. And I was like, so this location basically exists on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like it, it has it there. Because, like, basically, you know, like, like anything else, there's food that doesn't travel well. Like, they have these super loaded, totally vegan Cajun fries, like, with the vegan cheese and all kinds of veggies <laughs> on it, stuff like that. Well, that doesn't travel well at all. Taking that home 20 minutes later, you have a brick of congealed food that is cold. <laughs> it's just, it weighs about 20 pounds. And I was like, we can't even say, we'll get that when we go there, because we can't go there. <laughs> like, we'll never get that version. What was it that was so, what was so bad, so congealed? Fries, fries in general, anything like French oh, yeah, fries yeah. don't travel well. And so they had a loaded Cajun fry. So it was vegan French fry nachos is basically it. And so a bunch of veggies and melted cheese on top of their fresh, their fresh fries. But 20 minutes of traveling in a car and home and opening the box where it's, it steam congealed itself into a, a 15 pound brick of, in, the, in a cardboard box. <laughs> yeah, the way it's going to be on your body. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which you don't want to see. <laughs> no, 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 no. Normally you're like, oh, good, we'll just have to get that when we go there, but we can't unless we go to Oakland. How was the rest of the food? It was good. It was good. They had um, like a buffalo chicken finger thing that was very good. They had collard greens. They had um, their vegan patty. It was such a good veggie burger. That was super good. They called it something daddy or whatever. It was really good. <laughs> oh, and they have Cajun vegan mac and cheese. Oh, <laughs> oh, it was spicy. It was really good. You know how, how, how crazy that makes Cray Ray that they're making vegan food that's equally unhealthy. Yes. Yeah, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. I, I want to go try it. <laughs> and also, McDonald's finally hits their McPlant, which yeah. I'm still so sad they didn't take Ready Rich's name and call it the McCartney. <laughs> but uh i want to try the uh, kentucky fried chicken although i'm on a new diet now that i think is probably one of the best ideas i've ever had okay and will not work for anyone else will not work for anyone else i'm going to tell you right now but you know one of the ways you can lose weight is to write down everything you eat carefully. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know yeah, that yeah. that works just automatically. Yeah. Automatically, if you write it down, you lose weight. Well, during my COVID battles here, I have lost like 10 pounds. And it was because I couldn't go out into the world. So whenever I wanted food, my wife would have, or, or, or Moxie or Z, very often Zoltan, my son, would bring the food to the door, and then I'd go out and get it and eat it. So when I got back into the world, I said, wait a minute, I lost 10 pounds like this. I will no longer ever go into the kitchen. I will only text and have someone bring me that food. <laughs> a lot of us are going to lose weight really quickly on this diet. <laughs> and... I will lose a ton I, of weight texting my wife yeah, to do wow. that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> it is amazing because I go into the kitchen. Okay, we did this. It's the 21st anniversary of Penn and Teller at the Rio. We've been there 21 years. Okay. Yeah. They made us this huge vegan cake. 
gigantic vegan cake, beautiful. I posted it on uh, Twitter. They said it's all vegan, Pen. You can try it. It was right before a show anyway, so I wouldn't. But um, I said, you know, I can't text this to my wife to have her give me some. So I just took home this huge bunch of cake for our whole family. And I got home and I just said to myself, well, everybody will be asleep, so I can't have any of this cake. And then my wife was up and I said, oh, I can have a little cake because you're here. Would you give me a little bit of the chocolate cake? And she said, yes. <laughs> but here's the thing. If I hadn't been following this diet, yeah. I would have stood over the cake and just eaten it. <laughs> that looked like a really good cake. She brought me a regular-sized portion, and I ate it. And I could not bring myself to say out loud, I would like some more cake. More cake. <laughs> ah. Copy and paste it again. <laughs> not because I'm embarrassed in front of my wife. I'm embarrassed in front of myself. That's important. I mean, that's exactly what happens when you write food down. Yeah. You know. So uh, I'm in this wonderful position. And then my wife last night, I really wanted some fruit. I really wanted like a lot of fruit, like oranges or blueberries or something. And I texted my wife and she was doing a puzzle game with MIT, right? She's yeah. at MIT doing a puzzle game. And she can't be disturbed because she's on a team that's trying to, I don't know, <laughs> find some treasure or something. So I got no answer to my text. So I went up to bed, went to sleep. Wow. It's a good diet plan. It is. I did. I, I, I joined you in that I lost 10 pounds over my COVID deal. And then, of course, we sprang for that vegan thing I just described last night. So probably somewhere right in the middle. <laughs> but it was nice, actually. Like, I was like, well, I'm suffering from COVID, but I am losing weight. That is yeah. nice. It, it did feel good. Now, Godot, do you have an adventure to talk about? Uh, you know, just the, my poor wife's ongoing problems with <laughs> my, my sleep adventures. But first off, I want to point out before I, before I say how patient and wonderful this she is, that yesterday she uh, was watching a football game and finally said, defense. I, I thought that said D-gate. I had no idea what they were doing. D-gate. <laughs> <laughs> I love my wife so much. I don't, oh, know, I, don't, I, don't I don't get it. <laughs> so offense, defense, and you want to chant for the defense. It's very common for people to hold up a letter D and then a physical piece of fence in the audience. Picket fencing. Oh, D gate. <laughs> I don't know why they hold up D gate all the time. That's so D gate is hysterical. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just love that. <laughs> but then uh, two nights ago, you know, I've, I've been going through this. For some reason, I'm screaming and moving a lot at night and scared my poor wife. So the other night, she woke me up and said, what are you talking about? And apparently I had yelled, fuck you. No one's going to do your circus in the middle of the night. <laughs> Godot had a dream where he was looking in the mirror. Yeah. And pitching one of his harebrained ideas. <laughs> but then I realized Ringley Brothers has announced that they're going to reopen and they're looking for clowns. <laughs> oh, so my God. I may have discovered the subconscious connection here. <laughs> I, I think those are highly related. Fuck you. No one's going to do your circus. <laughs> Would you do Ringling again ever? Well, here's the thing Penn and I have always talked about. It's always been like, 
you know what? If things go bad for two years, I could go back and do Ringling. Except the, the last two years <laughs> have gone bad. And so when I said Ringling is reopening, they're accepting applications and, uh, and videos for new clowns. My wife didn't just laugh. She stared at me for a long time. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and finally, you're not going to do that, are you? <laughs> so, well, I thought I'd see what they pay now. I, uh, maybe. <laughs> Think it's different? Do they pay much differently? I well, by the time I bet they're paying millions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I made one hundred and twenty-four dollars a week, and they don't feed you or house you. They charge you for both of those things. But uh, at the end, I think they're paying six fifty a week for standard clown. That was my uh, guess. My guess would have been around six six fifty. Yeah, and they charge you to sleep in your train. Yeah, uh, ten bucks a week. Yeah, to get your clean sheets and pillowcases. <laughs> uh, and how much for food? Well, food you had to buy on your own, so they weren't charging you anything specific for food. But you could go to the pie car and order food, but you'd pay for it. Was it reasonably priced? Well, yeah, it was reasonably priced. But most of our food was um, macaroni and cheese cooked in a coffee pot in your room. Mm -hmm. Because we didn't really have My room? Your room, yeah. (laughs) That's why all those clowns are coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. You could text any one of us to get mac and cheese. (laughs) Is it easy mac, or how do you make mac and cheese in a coffee pot? Yeah, you can boil noodles in a coffee pot because the water, you know, the water boil in it, in it, and then. But do, it, do you, you put it where the grounds go, or do you put it in the actual pot? You put it in the actual pot. It's got a thing in the bottom of it that heats up and boils oh, water. Right. So you can cook your noodles that way, and you can add, uh, you know, a little can of peas, or if you're really splashing out, you can get a can of tuna. <laughs> oh man! Throw it in there with that mac and cheese. That's what and we really lived on. Anything that was five or six for a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ramen, a lot of mac and cheese. But also, uh, part of part of the Ringley's deal was that they used to, when they asked you to do publicity, the promoters, the kind of the agreement was that they would take you out to eat afterwards. So you would get up at 4 a.m. and put on your clown makeup and go to do the Country Boy Eddie show and fishing report. And then after that, they'd take you to Denny's and you could order whatever you wanted. And so you'd order, you know. Three sandwiches. Moons over my hammy. Moons over my hammy. uh, A milkshake and a Coke and a coffee. (laughs) And then another piece of pie to go with you when you were done. Oh, man. But now they're looking for new clowns. And it's been a bad two years. So I'm just (laughs) telling, just wanted Penn to know, we still have this. We still have Uh, this option. This option's coming back. Run the Spy Me Again, Rough two years for entertainers. (laughs) Go ahead. How does that work? Yeah. Yeah, been a little tough this last two years. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's been good for you because you didn't know what it was before. That's true. Brothers, sisters, <laughs> siblings. We are broadcasting from the Ringley Brothers train. We have Matt Donnelly, Michael Goudeau, Reddy Rich, and here's Penn, the trade master, preaching love. <laughs> toot toot. <laughs> I bet you could send them a pretty good video. They might hire you. <laughs> The only all-clown podcast on the Cast Media <laughs> Network. We can do that next week anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so ready, Rich. How are you doing? What, what's going on in your life? I know you're leading into one of these things, but I don't know which one. <laughs> Anyone you want. <laughs> ready, Rich. Let me hold up post-it notes. <laughs> <laughs> what does the one on your left say? The Nevada Room. Okay. Okay. 
The Nevada Room is in Commercial Center. It is a standalone, not a casino lounge. Well, that's oh. a real bummer. That's a real bummer. That means there is no casino lounge. We talked about this last week. Right. Yeah. Mandalay Bay still has its lounge. Oh, who's, who plays the Mandalay Bay? The lounge. They're tracks bands. Kenny Davidson over the Tuscany is probably the closest we have to those old school things. Kenny is the, he knows everyone in town, and when you pop in, he knows a song for you to do, and everyone can just kind of come by. And he he always holds different nights together. He's there multiple nights a week. If it's a popular theme or a popular event, they move him to the main room in the Tuscany. If it's a regular night, they play him at the lounge. But he's probably the closest thing we have left to one of those. He plays piano, or something. Yeah. He plays piano. He has usually has a, a three-piece band, and uh, he he's got a song for everybody who stops by. Do you stop by? I have. We do Hungry Heart. Oh, good. <laughs> but Sarah does Proud Mary, so if he wants us both to perform, I beg to go on first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine she does not do the CCR version. No, 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 no. She does yeah. not. Hers offers involves uh, like hand. You know, one-hand cartwheels, it's a real showstopper. Really brings the house down. She doesn't do anything nice and easy, is that No. (laughs) No, no, no. no. (laughs) She does not. (laughs) Did your your wife tell you about the dream she had about me? No. What's going on here? (laughs) Uh She wrote to me about it. Okay. Uh, We were were asked to cover a parade. Yeah. uh, Your wife and I. And we had decided to do it naked. (laughs) Just you two or was the parade naked? Uh, just we were naked. The parade was not. <laughs> so we were uh, doing this for TV. We were we were doing it naked. The, the commentary. Yeah, and she uh, she jumped into my arms uh, while we we're doing the commentary and said, "Throw me into the parade." <laughs> and in the dream, I thought she was kidding, and I didn't throw her. And she got very mad at me. Wow. And I reassured her in a text that if she naked jumped into my arms and said, throw me, I would throw her really hard. <laughs> Any distance she wanted. And she said, I know that. I just don't know why Dream Pen wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fascinating dream. And the timing of it's pretty fascinating, too. You know, uh, I think, have we talked about this in Penn Sunday School? A lot of these stories, especially happening in Broadway, there's all these stories about people learning a show in four hours and going right. into Broadway and stuff. Well, Sarah was the final callbacks for the Magic Mike host a couple of times, and then uh, they went a different direction both times, and then she's been contracted under Spiegel World. Well, because of COVID, they were down to no hosts over at Magic Mike, so Sarah got this call that, that they were hearing about all the time because of COVID, and she had recovered fully from her breakthrough case. She felt confident about doing it. And sure enough, in two days, learned the entire track for Magic Mike and went on for Magic Mike. So while I was upstairs nursing my sniffles, my COVID child brought me up to speed on the Marvel Universe, and we were isolated from the rest of my family, and I wasn't able to touch my wife for 10 days. She was surrounded by shredded dancers from Magic Mike <laughs> and uh, just being covered with naked dancers. So the fact that, that that's the dream she had during this period really is, mm-hmm. I think it's a high compliment to you, Ben. That is, because I... I I, uh, Magic Mike has not gotten down to the level where I'm one of the dancers yet. <laughs> I'm waiting for that. No calls. As COVID, as COVID chips them away, eventually <laughs> I will have the little necktie and nothing, and the Speedo, you know, the banana hammock, 
and I'll be uh, out there doing this. But they're not down to that yet. No, no, no. And you're describing Chippendales, uh-huh. and Magic Mike would be offended by that. They are they are the new modern reimagining of a male entertainment show. You know, they don't do that standard stuff. I'm sorry. Are you still <laughs> you talking about this? What? <laughs> Who gives a flying fuck? Yeah, they don't bow to... ties. Uh, it's like, uh, it's like when you talk to when I used to know a lot of strippers. Yeah, and they would talk about the quality of the pole work they would do. Yeah, it was really athletic, and you'd go, "What the fuck are you talking about?" No one cares at all. And- they care how many fucking push-ups can you do. How big are your fucking biceps? Yeah. How good does your cock and balls look in the little <laughs> thong? They don't give a fuck about the theme. We, oh, he's wearing a fireman's hat. It's a whole new thing. <laughs> oh, it's so old-fashioned. He just had a little tie. They don't fucking oh, care. It's fucking sex. And you can wear a fireman's hat during sex. It doesn't make you better or worse. You're just a guy <laughs> with a cock and balls wearing a fireman's hat. And uh, to put the shoe so on. Now the- tell me what Magic Mike is like. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll put the shoe on the other foot and I'll try to explain to a Magic Mike dancer the difference between magic and mentalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, remember that the strippers are no different than any of us. They will say, she is doing my move. I did that pole move first and now she's oh, doing it in that's her show. Absolutely. And I am true. so angry. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. yep. That's absolutely it's exactly true. what we do. It's the same thing. It's their show. It's the same thing. It's the same, same thing, thing with magicians. Yep. Hey, do something I can't figure out. I don't give a fuck. Pull <laughs> a rabbit out or something. I don't know. Yeah. Find my card. Just do something. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. But you see, David Copperfield did this. Yeah, 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 magic boy. Fucking do it. <laughs> do your poll work. <laughs> I was the first one to use orange. I did this in orange. <laughs> so uh, I am now actually curious. What does Magic Mike bring to the table? <laughs> do, you, do you know any history behind it at all? I mean, the movie or whatever? Yeah. Is it the same as Full Monty? No, no, no. Uh, Channing Tatum started a movie called Magic Mike, loosely based on his true story as being a Chippendales dancer. The movie was uh. very popular. So he turned around and produced a show. He's someone who did that show. So he has all the pet peeves of the do's and don'ts of what you would want and don't want in a show like that and how to make it more modern or whatever. And so they they really did a lot of um, reinventing it uh, or whatever. And one of which is that adding a comedic female host to it to kind of make it more of a a shared experience, kind of old burlesque rules, so to speak, of having a a comedic voice or champion on stage kind of thing. Does Um, Does she wear baggy pants? Does Sarah wear baggy pants suit? Sarah wore baggy pants suit. Baggy pants comic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then she smokes a lot of cigars and talks about her wife. She's the top banana, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just different. You're writing that like different fantasies and then more interactive stuff uh, that happens in that show. I mean, do you get to blow them? Is that the interactive stuff? Yes. I don't want to give away the finale, but uh, yes. <laughs> Good. Well, that's what she was thinking. She was thinking that I would throw her, throw her into a parade. <laughs> when they have like a shirtless drummer and they bring, they actually bring someone up on stage and they sit on her lap and they play a drum solo together. What, they bring someone up that's four? <laughs> <laughs> a 
size for. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't be the one advocating. I mean, I'm the last person. No one at Magic Money is like, God, I hope Matt nails this. Who, this is who we want out talking for the show is Matt Donnelly. <laughs> you have a list of talking points? <laughs> like Mitch McConnell on the Voting Rights Act? Here's what we're going to say. We're going to say it's really important that voting be honest and honest. And we won't mention the, the big steal, the big lie. We won't mention race. I just had my talk. I'm going out with Magic Mike. Mitch McConnell, <laughs> Matt Donnelly. On Magic Mike, don't mention Chippendales. The words are reinvented. Modern fantasies. I don't know how to break this to uh, Channum Tatum. Tatum Channing. Yeah. But <laughs> All those essentially guys. sexual fantasies have not changed in 150,000 years. No, I, I, I uh, at Ice Cream Social, we interviewed someone who does um, basic erotic photography for couples kind of thing mm -hmm. you know the boudoir things out in new orleans and i was like so stereotypically like guys are always putting like jeans or a suit what's beyond the stereotype there and she was like no that's pretty much what we do we put guys in suits and jeans <laughs> and i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> all right nothing has changed in 150,000 years schoolgirl outfits and fireman suits <laughs> <laughs> and jeans weren't until like the 1890s <laughs> I told you, you know, I bought a fireman's jacket. Yep. Yeah. I bought a fireman's jacket. I was wearing it around, and women would stop me at airports and start conversations with me. And the only reason I stopped wearing my fireman's jacket was because of 9-11. I felt it was disrespectful. Ah, that seems But fair. I got to tell you, wearing a fireman's jacket for a man is like walking around in a schoolgirl uniform or a cheerleader outfit. For a woman. <laughs> like you're going to the airport and you're dressed full out as a cheerleader. That's what it's like in a fireman's jacket. And it had those cool little clasps in yeah, the front. The metal. And it yeah. rubberized and it came down below my hips. And it was really comfortable. It had big pockets. And I just loved it. But I thought it was disrespectful after 9-11. So I stopped wearing it. <laughs> To turn on my wife to back up Ready Rich, I put on a full onesie bathing suit and I ride around a giant wooden tricycle with a hoop and stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing changes. It's also weird. Billy West pointed this out to me. Really weird that people go out in public dressed entirely like they were going out on the basketball court. Yes. <laughs> and he said, why is it that that's okay and you can't go out dressed in other outfits. <laughs> it's very You can't true. go out like a full chef outfit or a full, you know, fireman's outfit. You don't go out in public dressed like that. But somehow, basketball shorts, an actually numbered jersey, yeah. sneakers and socks, you can walk around like you're on a basketball court in public. Scrubs. Scrubs, too. Yeah. Whenever I have the casino gig, whatever coworker I have is always, I always make it a bit to yell, "Oh my God, it's!" and just name the athlete as they're walking by in their jersey. <laughs> <laughs> what you usually say is, "Oh my God, name of athlete has really let himself go." Yeah, that's really. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you looked so much taller on TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, but yeah, they wear numbers of actual players, right? Yeah, and, that, and that's actually like, that's the more expensive, you're wearing a, a $150, $200 shirt a lot of times. With someone else's name on it. 
Yeah. You're proudly declaring I'm someone else. Yeah, or just that big of a fan or whatever, but it's a weird thing. Like the, you see them in your shows, right? That was a weird thing when I was in Wayne Brady. They'd be in the VIP seats, two hundred fifty dollars tickets. People would be dressed in just full basketball gear in the front row. Yeah, it's crazy. That may cost as much as a nice suit. Yeah. I guess that's part of it. Maybe that's what it is, but yeah, that's weird. Especially the shoes. Yeah. Basketball sneakers for sure, yeah. I'm all for it. I just want it to be more other things. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I would like to go to see a show dressed as a beekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> or, or in full NFL pads, you know? Yeah. Like the full helmet <laughs> and everything, just sitting down. You know, full parachute on your back. <laughs> Do you deliver for Domino's? No, I'm going out. I'm out in the town. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, scrubs. People wear scrubs a lot. Do they? Yeah. I don't see people in scrubs at our show. I get stopped everywhere for wearing dickies. Do you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, like you, like you hey. work there. You work at wherever yeah. you're at? Yeah, that's what. I wear dickies all the time, too. Glenn always says you look like you're there to fix the, uh, fix the toilet. Dickies are the greatest brand of clothes ever. Do you ever wear the dickies pants? Yes. Are they good, too? Yes. <laughs> We're modeling. <laughs> Flashlight pocket, cell pocket, everything there. Really? Yep. Should I move over to Dickies from jeans? I think maybe. <laughs> yeah, good thought. But you don't carry that kind of, you don't carry stuff. No, I don't like to carry stuff. Everything I have is on my, my phone. And I also got a phone pocket in my Dickies shirt, so I'm covered. So um, what else are you bothered by from last week there, Reddy? I wanted to take a better swing at defending David Lee Roth. Okay. Okay. The topic was Sam Butera mm-hmm. being mad at David Lee Roth for stealing his medley. Mm-hmm. Louis Prima's medley. Yeah, I ain't got nobody. And, uh, just, just a gigolo. gigolo. So it's 1985. You're David Lee Roth. You're breaking up with Van Halen. Mm-hmm. The only thing anybody's talking to you about is rock and roll lifestyle and Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asking you ever where you got your persona from. Mm-hmm. That's a conversation that he doesn't get to have anywhere, but he cares about. Mm-hmm. And he did get his persona from Louis Prima. But did he really? Yeah, and applied that to heavy metal. Really? He said that? Yeah. And New York Times level of verification? <laughs> I, I heard it from Gary Owens. <laughs> and so when you do that medley on your solo album, you're announcing who you really are. Yeah. And if, if people are interested in it, then they could backtrack that and figure out what that means. Wow. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. That's really, that's really good. That's really good. Okay. We're okay with David Lee Roth now. I am. <laughs> Thank goodness we solved that. <laughs> what else you got to, to put to rest there? The ZZ Top Tour, only the live audience heard about it. Uh-huh. We were talking about livestock on stage, and you brought up their 1976 tour. hmm And I was in the chat and looking up sites to find out what was going on. There's some conspiracy-level theories about it mm-hmm. that oh. I wanted to research why we were talking about it, and I couldn't quite do it in time so we just cut out that entire conversation um i told you that it might be apocryphal it's not entirely apocryphal but it's not how you would imagine it well what i imagined was that zz top were on stage playing music and there was livestock around them in an other area on the stage and that was the headline but that's not exactly how it happened they had a set that was special built for them that was kind of in the shape of texas And on stage left, they had a pen for the livestock. It was a 
a buffalo, a longhorn steer, two vultures, and two rattlesnakes. So they would have a vulture and a rattlesnake out in the pen during the show. They also had cactus and other stuff, you know, local fauna. Uh They did two sets, and during the intermission, that's when the livestock would come out to the pen. Ah. And then they would walk them back off. The rattlesnakes, however, are deaf. So the rattlesnake didn't care, right? Correct. Ah. But a rattlesnake's like an alligator. They They just don't look like anything. You know, most of the time they just sit there like they might as well just be a rubber animal. The snakes so. were most offended by the song, She's Got Legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's but. when they slithered oh, yeah. off stage. Rub it in. Rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> she knows how to use them. Fuck her. <laughs> so it's not at all what I pictured, really. It's more like a petting zoo. Yeah, you think of them as interacting with the livestock during the... During the rock show, but that's I not didn't think of that. But I thought of the livestock were moving around. Couldn't they find deaf from birth, longhorn and buffalo? Some people are just so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't you just call Billy Gibbons and ask him? Wouldn't you, could, we have him on the show? Let's have him on the show next week to discuss this. <laughs> I'll, I'll see if Billy Billy wants to. Uh, illuminate us on this uh okay well anything else anybody you got no shows coming up right no one does i I have uh yeah lake havasu balloon festival next friday and saturday what are those dates next friday and saturday the 21st and 22nd the havasu balloon festival i'll be doing shows outdoors during the day now what do you got January 28th and 29th, Friday and Saturday, I am doing uh, shows at Keller's Comedy and Magic Club in Erie, PA. Erie, Pennsylvania. Big club. I want to fill it. Come on out to Erie, PA for two shows. Well, just one of the two, really. I used to date a girl from Pennsylvania. Really? No. You say say Erie. Erie? Erie? I used to to date a girl from Pennsylvania. Erie? Yeah, she was a little weird. Yeah, she was. (laughs) Gnome? (laughs) In March, I'm playing House of Cards in Nashville. In April, I'm playing Aces. I'm getting all the card places. Uh, 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 Aces in (laughs) Indiana. Okay, well, I hope the world's opening up again. And uh, Bob Saget, we love you and we miss you. And that was Penn Sunday School. That was Penn Sunday School. Cha-cha-cha. You become naked. Did Matt Donnelly just change? Oh, he just leaned in. That's all. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Looks entirely different. Hey, there must be a TV on behind him. Every now and then, someone appears in the window behind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My children. It's a little spooky. Eerie, even. Eerie. You know, we love you. Hey, Matt Donnelly, you anybody to thank? I do. I want to thank Little Mandar, Michael Fritz. Michael for Sheila, Penn for being concerned about my language in episode 744, Anders Stenson, Rachel Forrester, Jobeth R. Bowers, Adam Stickney, Sax Guy, Jimmy D, Leah B, Jacob McCauley, Kelsey Johnson, Nicole Martin, Matthew Rausch, Crazy Cat Lady Scoop, Nick Hemzig, Music Man, Jamie Thrasher, Rachel Hawkins, Jake Schneider, Pete Hoke, Kelly McCauley, Jeremy Davidson, Robin Garnett, 
Obi Dimitrian Jr., Jeremy R. 2022, Winter Bia Allison Sage, Kristen Klitik, Michael Cohen, Dr. Scoop Little, and Joseph Mastrangelo. Thank you. We love you. How, 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 how. 